0: other guy i'm the other guy it's my Um, i'm 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 chris (laughs) yeah welcome welcome today we are doing something we're calling a scattershot episode
1: just sort of like a general conversational thing a little shooting the shit about some stuff some minor corrections we want to make we want to follow up on our discussion on the jack reacher tv show and then just some other things that don't constitute a full episode that we want to talk about
0: Right, right. So we're gonna start off by talking about the Reacher series. We did some predictions, uh, I think, two or three episodes back, about what we thought the show looked like based on the trailer. Uh, Chris, you've watched all of it, I'm guessing, eight, all eight episodes. Yeah, I devoured it. Okay, you devi- So I took I devoured it. I, d-
1: I devoured it quicker than Reacher devours his food.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's pretty quick. In most instances, that's quick. Sometimes he gets interrupted, and it takes him a while. Often he gets interrupted. Um,
1: sometimes it takes an entire season
0: yeah sometimes he gets arrested (laughs) mid-meal that seems to be actually a very common thing but uh, it took me a little while to watch it but that just had to do more with my schedule I did think it was very watchable but um, you know without getting into any deep spoilers we'll we'll discuss the spoiler details later and let you know when we do that so if you don't want to you know, hear the spoilers, you can bail out then. But what was your initial impression? Did you enjoy it?
1: Yeah, a lot. I had a lot of reservations and concerns from going into the trailer that we discussed in previous episode. Folks at home, if you want to listen to our discussion on the trailer, go back a few episodes. But yeah, I uh, I think the tone was was right. I think they got the character right. I think they got the characters right, and I was appeased. Uh, It it, it felt like I was in the books. I think uh, Alan Richson is a great Jack Beecher. I think, like we predicted, the trailer kind of uh, made the tone feel a little bit more jokey and quippy than the show actually was. Uh, Would you agree?
0: I, I would agree I think that in my head, I've, I've said before, I always kind of have this shifting image of who Jack Reacher is, what, you know, what Jack Reacher looks like, but moving forward, it's Alan Richson. I think he does an incredible job. I think he, you probably can't find a better uh, actor to, to play that role. Yeah. And I, you know, I was, I was satisfied throughout the, the series. I had concerns. I thought it lagged at certain points, but it, those concerns did not last very long. I thought it was awesome. I, you know, getting into Alan Richardson's performance and the, the character of Reacher, I w- one thing that I really enjoyed is the way they engaged with the awkwardness of the character. There are moments in the book... Yes. Right, like, he's a larger-than-life character, and in the book, you know, he's at times violent. He has this real... Well, he's often violent. He has this very strange lifestyle. He has this very strict personal code, and he's this really big guy. So he's just kind of like... Outrageous, larger-than-life character, and I think the show approaches that with the the, the right level of humor. Um, you know, there are times where I,
1: it, not not only not only the right level of humor, but the right level of uh, character reaction. Like something I noticed that was really done well is the updating the setting for where where this story takes place into the modern times. And you know, it's always been a thing that he doesn't really have a record much other than his military record so like when people look him up they generally have to like call someone from some sort of uh, military service that can vouch for him and in this they were able to include like oh he doesn't have any social media and they discussed they named you know name dropped several different types of social media and said yeah he has none of this who who doesn't have any social media and that's never something that's discussed in the books because they were written when social media wasn't so prevalent or just didn't exist and I thought that was a a nice
0: detail I enjoyed Specifically, when people look at Reacher and they say something like, "Really? Is that really who you are? Is that really what you do? Are you like? Are you serious?" Because they're in disbelief that Reacher exists, and I like that because there were, in many ways, there are parts of this show that are kind of stock. It's it is a, a kind of murder mystery, crime show, but right, right, yeah. So, something
1: happens. You think that stuff is starting to resolve and then another murder's announced and then you go to the crime scene you investigate the crime scene some sort of stinger happens before a commercial break even though there are not really commercial breaks but like you know they they say something like oh well then you missed this and then everyone has a reaction you know it's yeah like you said very stock in some respects
0: but the the, i think because they have that humor and self-awareness about like who the character is, it elevates it out of a kind of meathead type crime show. It makes it something special and makes the character something special. It took me an episode or two to get on board with Richson. You know, there was just some adjustment and it was just basically getting used to him as the character. Well, it's,
1: it's funny because for me, it was used to getting used to his voice. Because like I said, I audio most all of these books and I got very used to the narrator Dick Hill and his uh, his countenance, his voice, and so Alan Richson looks the part. Like he, uh, aside from my concerns of him not looking old enough, uh, he looks perfectly proportioned, and he, his facial expressions fit what I think of Reacher's facial expressions. His uh, body mannerisms are, are right. Like he he fit he steps into the role really well. Aside from my understanding of what Reacher sounds like in my head versus what he sounds like in the show
0: yeah one thing that occurred to me um and I'm curious what you think of this at a certain point in the series I I was questioning whether the first book Killing Floor was a good book to adapt for a first season and I at first I thought it wasn't and this is why so a lot of the Reacher books some of them rather I, I haven't read as many of you as you but I've Of the ones I've read, several of them have some commentary on the contemporary American experience. And they do this by focusing on socially relevant issues like racism, uh, domestic terrorism, PTSD, drug addiction, particularly addiction to pharmaceuticals. Um, And Mm -hmm. the, the crime at the center of this season is counterfeiting, which is not a very... It doesn't feel relevant to me.
1: They even address that in the show. That uh, you know, this is very mild spoilers. People, You're not, this isn't ruining anything for you. Don't uh, the don't worry about that. We're talking about this. Uh, we'll get into more spoiler talk later. But yeah, so the they talk in the show about the uh, like how hard it is to to counterfeit and like how uncommon it is nowadays with modern um, currency technology and like modern steps to avoid counterfeiting. So it is, it is an interesting topic to start with. And I thought the same thing when I read the book, because it wasn't the first book I started with. I started with Bad Luck and Trouble and then went back and read this. And I came in and I'm like, this is the first book?
0: It feels like at least like several books into a series. What I was thinking at the time is that if they did focus on something that was perhaps more relevant or familiar to, you know, the average American life, people might Understand better what is so appealing and addic- uh, addictive about this character in these books. But by the end of the series, I didn't think that so much anymore because the the final episode. Um, well, I guess we can't g- not get into spoilers uh, uh, for for too long. But I
1: think, I think this is a good. Yeah, I think this is a good part. I think this is a good point. You know, uh, folks, you kind of get our idea. Our we liked our it. Opinions on it. Watch I, it. I, I liked it. Yeah, watch it. Uh, it's good. If you have, if you have watched it already, jump into our spoiler discussion. We're going into your ad for this. Uh, if you haven't watched it and you don't want the spoilers, skip ahead to timestamp 25 minutes
0: and 45 seconds.
1: Let's get into this spoiler discussion.
0: Okay. so the, So what did you want to talk about? The final episode, the final scenes of the final episode... We learn a little.
1: Not just spoilers, everyone. We're jumping into the last episode spoilers.
0: <laughs> the, the final minutes uh, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> which which is but it's a good. These are good bookends because at the beginning Jack Reacher walks into the story, and at the end he walks out of the story, and that's what he does in these books. So I I liked at the end we learned about Reacher's mother, and how she is in sort of the inspiration for him to not just lead this lifestyle because that has to do with some other things but to have this very heroic and valorous personal code she tells him you know what are you going to do with your strength you have the strength of three men and his answer is like I'm going to do the right thing and you see that he's motivated by his relationship with his mother who passes away Um, and then he walks off into the sunset and and I, I thought that was it was a beautiful ending and even though they didn't focus on all that socially relevant stuff like i was just talking about i thought you know what this leaves the audience with a really good sense of who jack reacher is that yes he is a he's a of mythic proportions not just in like his size but he is a he is an american hero he's an american classic now i think but that Mm -hmm. there's a human element to him too so it kind of gives people the sense of like This is the balance of real and mythology with this character. And I I thought that was really good. I loved the ending of it. It's hard to say it's my favorite part, but when Reacher walked out of the story, I'm like, yes, that's what happens in Reacher's stories, and you kind of love it. it."
1: They bookended the season very well, and it feels exactly like how you come into and exit one of the Reacher books. It was one of the things I thought they did really well. Also, uh, cool spoilers for the last episode... There is a cameo by the author.
0: Did you notice it? I, I certainly did. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was okay. Can't
1: even hear what he says. I had to put on subtitles because it's so like quiet and quick. Because yeah. he like bumps into him in the bar, and and basically I don't even remember what he says now. But it's basically like, oh excuse me. But it doesn't sound like oh excuse me. It sounds like he said something completely different. I was so flummoxed by it. I like had to rewind and listen to it again, and then rewind and put the subtitles on. I was like, "Oh, that's all he said." Okay, uh, yeah, I think that was a cute little nod. And apparently, from what I read, that that was um that was the actor's idea. While Lee Child was on set, came up with the idea, checked it past the director, and then checked it with Lee Child. And Lee Child loved the idea, so they just did it like spontaneously. Which I think is cute.
0: That's pretty cool. Actually, that explains some things. So my girlfriend works in hair and makeup for film and TV. So she's always paying attention to, like, continuity in all shows and movies. And I don't know if you noticed, but he gets a cut on his lip and one over his eye. And they kind of, mm-hmm. they, throughout, I think, the last episode, they come and go at different points. So it makes sense. Perhaps they shot that scene or, like, they're like, let's just throw the scene together. Yeah, maybe they did that kind of impromptu. Oh, it was so. Yeah, that maybe they didn't have the idea,
1: or, like didn't have the continuity to, to put the scars on because they hadn't done those other scenes yet, mm-hmm. which could make sense. Yeah, uh, a lot of times, a lot of times things are shot kind of in reverse or out of order. Like I know movies a lot of times shoot their like second half a lot earlier on in in production.
0: Yeah, um, it's a lot about uh, for multiple lo- reasons locations. And availability yeah. of people it's like they want to shoot so these like things, all the
1: stuff yeah. all the stuff with that diner every scene was shot in a day I bet like everything that had to do with that diner no matter what part of the show it took place in no matter what episode it took place in was probably all shot on the same day just to alleviate costs and so that the diner Whoever, I'm sure that's a real diner so I'm sure they had to like close it down for shooting and you don't want to keep closing it down multiple times so you close it down shoot everything and then edit
0: it later so i I don't know if the the um, listeners are aware of this but i've been in I've been in a few TV shows and a few movies actually and um, all right get your bragging out of the way <laughs> i so I live in New Mexico and there's a big film scene here and they're always asking people to do background work and I've done some background work on the TV show Roswell and they have a diner set there and it's a fake diner it has like but it has like a sidewalk and like a street on the it's it's all inside it's in a warehouse but they have like a fake street outside and they have wallpaper on the warehouse walls that looks like a um, like a, a city-like square and everything. So I, I, I kind of thought it actually might be a fake diner and all that stuff outside might be fake, but it doesn't really matter. It's uh, it's probably not the last diner we're going to see in the, this Jack Reacher series. It's been renewed for a, a second season. Did you know that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I am. I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, I know Alan Richardson mentioned that he would love for them to just go on and adapt the next book, which would be great considering it's a book that we're currently reading for the podcast. That would be very cool. Um, it's, it's... My only concern is, uh, that book, there's a big portion of it that is, like, in one location. Yeah. And it'd be kind of tricky to do as an interesting television show, so I don't know if they would change it a little bit, or add in some stuff, or maybe have it cover more than one book. It would be hard to do, interestingly... If they just maybe it'll be a shorter season. They could do that. Like I know, like the TV show, the British show Luther, fluctuates in how long their seasons are. One it was like six episodes, or like eight, and then six, and then four, and like it changes. So maybe they could just do a shorter season for book two if they wanted to do that. But they could also just add stuff in. So like one of the things I want to talk about is, um, did you notice the biggest change
0: in from the book to the show? There was an additional character I don't, I've read, I've read Killing Floor It was the first Jack Reacher book I read I don't remember much beyond That it takes place in Georgia There's the African American detective Who's sort of like the One of the main characters Is, is, uh, is Neely? Yes, Neely Yeah So, Neely,
1: which is I always, um, the the audiobooks and the spelling of it Is always pronounced it Nagley. Yeah, because that's a G, yeah well, it's it's also just um, it's spelled N E A G L E Y, and I, I could see both pronunciations, so I, it doesn't it didn't bother me when they brought it up. But when they brought it up in the show, I was like, is is are they talking about her or is this someone else? But no, it is that it is Francis Nagley, which is um, originally from the sixth novel. Without fail, was when Francis Nagley made her first appearance. And she's in several of the other books because she is a, a big part of his past from when he worked with the special investigators. So adding her in this early was an interesting decision, but I don't think it necessarily changed or affected the original plot too much. Um, and I think they the actress they picked did a, a f- fantastic job uh, playing her and, and um, dealing with her mannerisms. She's a little bit of a different characterization from the books, but I think it fits fine. But yeah, when she showed up, I was kind of surprised and a little bit excited, but I'm glad they didn't, I'm glad they didn't overdo it with her.
0: It it does seem to me that, that I I liked her character. I liked her presence in the, in the show, how she kind of popped in and out. Part of me wonders, you know, the way, (laughs) the way that TV shows are, it's like, Maybe she'll have a spinoff TV show. Who knows? Like, I, I, I don't. I'm not anticipating it, but it is that type of character where it's like it's an interesting, likable, tough character. You know, given how given how incestuous storylines are nowadays, I, it, you know, I could see it being a spinoff. But I, I'd be surprised if that happened.
1: Uh, I would be too at this this early on. Yeah. But um, if depending on depending on what book they adapt next, if they could adopt Bad Luck and Trouble, which would feature Nagley again. Or Neely, however you want to pronounce it, and or they could do the the sixth novel, the one I just brought up, without fail. So, because because they have that actress available and have already introduced her, it would be a logical choice to to bring her back in the next season in some capacity. But because of how many of these books there are, and because of how he gets around, they don't have to. They can leave her out for the next season and bring her back, loop her back in later, which is how it happens in the books. You know that character will come and go. I think she, she shows up in several of the novels. Um, Yeah. Five of the novels.
0: So one thing that, one thing about this show that um, I liked and uh, there's, there's parts of the show that I, like I said before, kind of lagged parts of it that felt stock. Like it was like a USA channel show, but then sometimes you were hit with really intense violence when they show them, very, very violent. When they show them the the tortured body of the sheriff who has his testicles cut out and he is nailed to his bedroom wall that was very shocking for me it was a weird they don't shy away from showing that either yeah yeah they they certainly don't what did you think of the action in the show in general was it was it special like it is in the book we talked about how the book has a sherlock holmes type like kind of like oh he
1: had he had some he had some good head butts in the show um and uh he ended things fairly quickly i one of my other concerns in our um our predictions episode was that we thought that they were going to draw out the action scenes too much, and I don't think they did. They they drew them out in p- the parts that they needed to be. Um, even like the the one that felt a little unnecessary, but also perfect for Reacher was um, when he's in the city and he's chased down by that um,
0: what were they, Colombian? Yeah, I think Venezuelan. The hitman. Venezuelan. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but the, yeah, he's chased down with that guy, which is great because. That scene is uh, is him, you know, figuring out he's being followed, leading the guy to a place where he could encounter him, you know, setting up a trap for him. Um, the the fight is is you know, goes from fist fight into knife fight, into fist fight again. Uh, and I, I thought it was I thought it felt like a, a reacher fight. Yeah. He- and he, he got he got cut, which that one of the things that I have a problem with in this show is he feels almost untouchable, and he only gets cut that time and then has a little bit of trouble when he has the fight at the mansion.
0: Yeah, he and he ends up hanging that guy at the end of the scene. I thought that was kind of a cool way to end the scene. As he Yeah, he with re- the necktie, yeah. that was cool. I thought, also, there was another scene where he shoots those two Venezuelan guys who are following him in the car, and there was a really good like musical scene where he's listening to uh, this Howlin' Wolf spoonful. Um, and the, the
1: music in this is great. They have a great uh, assortment of Americana and some some folk, some, some like soul, uh, just the diegetic sound as well. It worked. Like, I, I think they did a good job of, of mixing the music up.
0: But, but there's a scene where they chase him down and he shoots, he shoots these two, um, Venezuelan, uh, gangsters, uh, you know, uh, who are trying to kill him and he has to stuff them. And I think there's another body he has, he has to stuff three bodies in the back of a trunk. And it was kind of funny because they don't look like they're going to fit. And then he puts the last guy on top and he starts folding his body. They yeah. He, they don't fit. <laughs> but what if you can snap someone's there's three, leg, three bodies in there. Yeah. He kind of, he snaps his leg backwards and stuffs them in there. I thought that was actually kind of funny. And it was a good, it was a good reacher moment of like, well, there's a way you can make them fit. Just, you know, use your brute strength. I think it's
1: fun when the, another character opens that trunk and sees how he fit them in there. They're just absolutely appalled. hmm uh, but yeah, it, the action was good. the The humor was dry and good. I think the actors all did a pretty good job. the only The only thing that I got over, it, but the only thing that bothered me initially is the female cop that becomes the sort of love interest. That like the first time you meet her, I was like, nope, that's not a real cop. That doesn't feel like a real character. This doesn't feel like it fits at all. But she grows on you. Yeah. She grew on me at least, and I I, I think I think she. She stands on her, on her own feet well enough and feels like a well-rounded character. Um, I think they did a good job with all. Like, Child does a good job with writing characters in general, but I think the show did a good job adapting them. All of them seemed to have depth, like um, Roscoe Finley, uh, Roscoe and Finley. But I was, I was also just thinking, um, Hubble. W- once you get like the full picture of how Hubble's involved, what's going on, then you get like his flashbacks and stuff. I think that all felt really
0: good and makes all of his like decision making early in the show make sense. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: One thing I, two, well, two things I want to point out that were kind of weird, especially in the last episode, that he has that Desert Eagle handgun and multiple people fire it. And they have this, like, very wimpy handgun sound that comes out of it. And then I think uh, Roscoe fires it, yeah. like, twice. It's like, that's a... I, doesn't that fire, like, 50 caliber bullets out of a handgun? And yeah, it's, a Desert Eagle is is literally a hand cannon
1: and has a ridiculous recoil on it. You would, like, break your and wrist. I don't I doubt... I don't, well, she's dainty, but, I mean, she is a cop. She is trained. She does go to the range on the regular, I presume. She's a decent shot, so, like... I'm sure she's shot her own gun before, because it's. She "I don't. I think she says she hasn't though, because it was a. It was given to her, and um, she just kept it in that box. But like,
0: I still feel like she, she would handle it decently. But it is a big gun for a small girl. Yeah. There's also a funny scene. So so like Alan Richardson is is jacked. He's really big and very like, just very muscular. And there's, they don't, you know, they like to show that off at multiple points. And there, you know, there's a scene where he's in a hotel with Finley, I'm sorry, with Roscoe, and there's some sexual tension between them, but, and they do sleep with each other later on. But in this scene, uh, Reacher sleeps on the floor and she sleeps on the hotel bed. And he, there, there's, it's an aerial view. It's an above view of them sleeping next to each other in separate, you know, separate areas. And they're like, okay, good night. And Alan Richson kind of takes the sheet and he like lowers it just below his hip bones and like puts his, kind of hooks his thumbs into the sheet and the camera lingers on it for like two extra, probably like I'd say like two more beats than they really needed to. And it was so obvious they're trying to give you be like, ain't he a pretty piece of man meat right here? I thought that was so funny.
1: They flaunt that. that. It is funny, but they flaunt it multiple times and I kind of like that that, um, you know, she in the show, except for, like, one scene, is very covered. She has, you know, full sleeves on, full clothing, like, they don't really, like, sexify her up very much, which I thought was nice and a nice change of pace. Uh, But they do the opposite for him and he's the the man meat. He's the, the, the sex object of the show. And I thought that was also kind of fitting with how the books are written, but also, like, funny. Yeah.
0: I thought it was really yeah I I, I laughed at that I'm like oh, okay that's that's okay whatever you know they know what he's hot we course. know he's hot he's a hot dude you know. hot piece of piece of man meat um, <laughs> but uh, yeah overall I loved it I'm 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 glad they're doing uh, next season apparently uh, what was his name Kevin Smith the director of Clerks and Dogma he like he was on he's been raving about it as well he really loves it so I think I, I don't know. Nice. Yeah. It seems to be getting good reception. I watched it with my roommate who is not, or hasn't read any of the Jack Reacher books and she really enjoyed it too. She watches a lot of murder mystery shows and she was saying she enjoyed it on those terms. You know, I came to it already really liking the character. So I'm kind of, I was, I felt like I was primed to enjoy it. Um, on Amazon. Yeah, one of my friend yeah.
1: one of my one of my friends who's never read any of them watched it and also enjoyed it and we had a, a decent discussion about it. But yeah. I don't want to linger on this too much. But yeah. We do have some other things to discuss. Sort of the impetus for the for this episode, uh, beyond the Reachers talks, uh, is that I recently finally finished all of the I, I was there was one Quentin Tarantino movie I had not seen yet. And I finally watched it, and that was Jackie Brown. And uh I liked it well enough i i wouldn't put it at the top of my list but it, it's certainly not at the bottom i i thought the story was really interesting and after i looked into it i found out that it's more interesting than i thought because it originally took place in west palm beach where i live and in miami mm-hmm. and uh i found that fascinating and i could very easily see that story taking place here even though the movie puts it in la
0: yeah i think it's um, because you know uh quentin tarantino is more familiar with LA, and you know he can see. Yes, he, he, he loves it. Yeah. But yeah, it. I mean, it absolutely looks like it. it there, it, it could be Florida. The characters are Floridian.
1: I think the mall that they go to just feels like either the Palm Beach Mall or the Boynton Beach Mall. Like, yeah, it could very easily just be Florida. And yeah, so for, for those of you that aren't familiar, um, Jackie Brown is uh, originally based on a novel called Rum Punch by uh, Elmore Leonard. Yeah,
0: I, I read this when I went through my, you know, um, like early to mid 20s, like crime fiction, you know, multi-year fever read marathon. Uh, yeah, it, it was it's published in uh, 1992, set in Florida. I, I don't remember much about it. I mean, big differences besides the setting you, I mean, usually it's this isn't really like a big difference, but uh, Jackie Brown, she goes by a different name in the book. She's not African-American. She's like a she's a white lady with blonde hair in the movie. You know, Quentin Tarantino kind of gives it this uh, maybe like a, a
1: little bit different culture to it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different culture to it, a little bit, a little bit different connotations with how the cops deal with her and yeah. things like that. I, I think that's better. And I, I haven't read the book, but I feel like this is, is a better spin on it. It stars Pam Greer as Jackie Brown, and she always does a phenomenal job. I thought it was great that the way the character handles every situation is being absolutely honest. Like She tells everyone about every scheme to the point where everyone thinks that she's on their side or that she's just looking out for herself. But then, like, still manages to pull this off. It's so funny. She's like, "Oh," and she tells people to their face that she's going to talk about. It. She's, you know, she goes to um, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Or Del Roby. Like, uh, so yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and tell the cops that I'm gonna go and get the, get your money and bring it in. He's like, "You're gonna do what? You're gonna tell the cops?" She's like, "I have to because if I don't, they're gonna be suspicious. And if I tell them, then they'll think they're in on the plot, and it'll be easier to to pull this off." And he's like, "I don't like this, but." And then she goes to the cops and goes, yeah, so I'm going to go do this. And sort of just tells everyone what's going on. And it's it's brilliant. I love it. It really makes the viewer wonder who she's going to side with. Like, is she going to? Uh, are she? We know we're pretty sure she's not going to help. Samuel L. Jackson. She hates him. We're pretty sure she's not gonna help the cops, but maybe she wants, uh, you know, to cut a deal with them. We're pretty sure she wants to just take the money herself. But then she also ropes in, um, Cherry, the, the guy that's the, um, bail bondsman. I, Um, I love Robert Forster. it, it, It makes in that. I love that actor. Yeah. He plays pretty much the same role in, um, Breaking Bad. And I love it. Uh, in, in Breaking Bad, he's the, the guy that helps you get a new identity and, like, move on. Uh, so he's not a bail bondsman, but, like, it's his acting is almost identical. It's like, almost an identical character. I, I could almost see that ch- that Cherry character just going on to be this guy that helps people get other identities, like, when he retires.
0: He was really good in this movie. I love this movie. I think it came out in 1987. It's called Alligator. Which is about a giant alligator.
1: <laughs> a, I'm gonna have to watch that because I like that actor, and that story sounds nuts. Yeah, he's a
0: cop in it, and he's like track. He's like, there's all these dead bodies showing up, and it turns out it's this like 30 foot alligator. It's a really good movie, I I think. If you enjoy those sorts of things,
1: yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. That that sounds like a crazy movie, but yeah, I I thought the I, you know other than just Tarantino's dialogue, which is generally good. I thought the movie was was written well and the story was told well. I thought a couple of fucking Tarantino isms, like the beginning feels like it drags a little bit too much and he gets too into his dialogue. Like some of the discussions are just like he goes over the top to make it feel natural, and it does, it does feel natural. But then you're just like, why am I why am I observing these characters doing this? Like, what is how is this important to what is this movie about? And it mostly does tie back in. You kind of get the idea of like. these characters personalities and how they would act in a certain situation so that when everything starts going down you kind of like know how the characters are going to behave except for my favorite scene which is robert de niro is very weird character in this movie and the whole movie he's very quiet very laid back like very
0: very chill he smokes a lot of pot um
1: He smokes a lot of pot, he does, and uh, there's, like, the scene where the girl's just like, hey, you want to fuck? And he's like, sure, and then they fuck, and it takes, like, two seconds for him to finish, and then they just kind of go back to their regular discussion, and it's hilarious. But that's not the scene I'm talking about. The scene I'm talking about that I love is him and that girl take part in the the scheme that they think is going to get them the money, and so they are exiting the mall and there uh, she she's like trying to carry the bag and he's like give me the bag she's like no i'm not gonna take, give you the bag he's like give me the bag and then he just like wrenches it out of her hands and they get in the parking lot and she's like bitching and like rubbing it into his face that he didn't do things right and that he didn't handle things well and uh she's, insulting him hey, she's, like right she's taunting face. him she's taunting him and like like a like an imp almost and de niro plays it just like de niro would just kind of straight faced kind of like you can see he's a little annoyed that you know that de niro face and uh, they get they go past a car and he he's like hey shut up and she doesn't shut up they he she continues taunting him he just turns around pulls a gun out and shoots her like four times looks at her and just walks away like completely placid completely yeah. impa- dispassionately. gets in the car and leaves and then when he meets up with Ordell, he's like, Hey, yeah, you know, there's a thing that kinda happened I want to talk to you about. He's like, Yeah, where's where's Melanie? He's like, Oh yeah, I had to fucking shoot her. He's like, You what? Yeah, she kept running her mouth. She wants to shut up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of he's like, is she is she dead? Oh, I don't know. You better make <coughs> sure she's dead! <laughs> yeah
1: what you just left her there yeah i don't know what what else was i was supposed to do
0: <laughs> yeah his character's kind of scary in that regard i thought because he is he he's an ex-con he snaps he just yeah. snaps
1: out of nowhere he gets
0: out of jail at the beginning of it and he has this like you know he's like he's tatted up and he has this like kind of biker mustache so you kind of can tell he's a bit of a badass or like you know that he seems kind of threatening but then he just loses it at the end and he's like he says something to her he's like i'm this is your last warning just shut, shut up, please. And she says yeah. something and that's when he turns around and blows her away. And it's just like, told you to shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even say that. He just, like I said, he, he just shoots her and then walks away. It's so fucking funny. Um, apparently I've just learned that, um, Ordell, Robbie Lewis, which is Robert De Niro's character and Melanie all uh, appeared in another, another one of Leonard's novels
0: called the switch. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that. So I, I
1: kind of, I kind of want to go read that now to see what those character how those characters first appeared
0: yeah, that'd be really interesting. I've read a handful of his books. I really like uh, Maximum Bob, which is another one of his Florida books. It's about this judge uh, who usually gives the maximum sentence, so they call him maximum Bob. Get Shorty's really good. There's this one called The Moonshine War that I really like. So
1: uh, yeah, get shorty, Get Shorty's probably the most famous
0: um, and Jackie Brown, but yeah. for like stuff that's based on Leonard books. he has quite a few books. I- I've read several of them. I would describe his stories as being similar to donald westlake but perhaps with a, a heavier dose of humor and absurdity he has a his a kind of non-serious tone uh even though it's like serious business like people getting killed and his writing style is similar to george v higgins which we've discussed on previous episodes it's very dialogue heavy and it's street talk which fits Tarantino's style very well uh, hey do you know what else fits very
1: well in this case into your budget are the very real goods and services provided by our sponsors that are real. Let's take a listen. DadLit will be right back after a word from our sponsor.
0: For centuries, Americans have gathered together to celebrate the holidays, reaffirm family ties, and wish goodwill to all men. But this Christmas...
1: Now you gotta listen to this man, because this concerns you, alright? You have a chance. You're almost a half-year-old Would
0: you take
1: it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do a stewardess, a gunrunner,
0: a bail bondsman, an ex-con, a federal agent, and a beach one have in common? you don't come in on this thing with me, you gotta be prepared.
1: A half a million in cash Half a million dollars will always be missed
0: Let him get the money And then we'll just take it You trying to play your ass against me, huh? That was fun Yeah, I do be at the spot So she and your girlfriend That yeah, what you felt? Oh, I hope you felt appropriate Guilty after what I do well. There's only one question When I ain't getting any truck. You ain't gonna be in here no more than 10 minutes man i ain't riding in no trunks for no
1: money. who's playing who let's make a deal yeah that's what you're give us are you gonna offer to set him up yeah if i'm doing something stupid am Greer, samuel l jackson robert forster bridget fonda michael keaton and robert de niro is she dead
0: i i i yes or no is she dead pretty much Quentin. Absolutely, positively
1: got to kill every mother in the world, except no substitutes. Nothing gets between me and my AK. steel shank for extra support, padded collar for comfort, oil-resistant outer sole, and Goodyear welt Construction. Now on sale for just $25. Texas Steel. Branded with value only at Kmart. Kmart! We've got it, and we've got it
0: good! And now, back to our show.
1: Hey, you know, since we're talking about it, uh, I think we should do one of the shorts, and we discussed earlier in the week the possibility of doing a short story by Elmore Leonard, and I think you had something in mind.
0: Yeah, I think that given, US, given that U.S. Marshals are such a big part of his um, his world, I would say we should do Fire in the Hole, which is a Raylan-given short story. Okay. It, it was uh, So there's a short story collection, When the Ladies Come Out to Dance, I think it's called, or When the Women okay. Come Out to Dance, and it was part of that. But um, he appeared in two novels before that. But this is a good short story that features Raylan Givens. So he's he's perhaps most famous with contemporary audiences as in the Justified TV show, um, and U.S. Marshals are like a very familiar character type in his canon. And I do want to talk a little bit about U.S. Marshals.
1: I believe you just did. No. <laughs>
0: well, I want so. Um, well, I want to talk about Elmore Leonard. Uh, as dad lit, because he's very different. He's not techno thriller. He's not military thriller. He has virtually nothing in common with Cusler or Clancy. Um, I put him in the dad lit genre. One for his earlier western writing, which I see as an automatic dad lit checkbox. Westerns are dad lit.
1: Yeah. At some point, at some point, we need to do a couple of those. Yeah.
0: Number two, because of his penchant for florida settings uh particularly south south florida i think that's a that is a a, uh a boomer and dad lit writer characteristic is is a sort of obsession with florida and he
1: i mean it's a it's the if we're gonna go down the reasons i would put one of those reasons as florida is a retirement community and therefore it is where dads go eventually. And therefore you placing the books there is exciting for someone who is sitting on a pool deck, retired, maybe, uh, ha- having a midlife crisis and wants some sort of escapism. Let me pick up a book about, Oh, this takes place in Florida.
0: You know? Yeah, absolutely. And he captures the absurdity of Florida just as good as Carl Hiaasen. Um, who's a big Florida writer. If you're not f- familiar with him, uh, he, he, I think he wrote for the Miami Herald, but he writes these really kind of fun and weird Florida crime novels. There's another author named Tim Dorsey I think who does I, that. I think
1: I, I think I know what you're talking about, and I actually, yes, I think, I've, I think I've read a little bit of one of those books. They are humorous and interesting for crime literature.
0: So I would describe Elmore Leonard as dad lit for dads who were in Florida during the time of the cocaine cowboys, but were never cocaine cowboys but wish they were cocaine cowboys um <laughs> so, and, and also it's like florida guys and we you know some of these people um florida dudes who kind of like older dudes who fly by the seam of their pants they're are they seem to get by pretty well despite being like drunk much much of the time like that's a type of person in my experience especially having lived in Florida yep. for a while actually I wanted to Absolutely. ask you a question what is the most who is the most Florida person you've ever met have you ever met someone and you're like this is the most Florida person I've ever met
1: oh god I wish you would have <laughs> asked me this ahead of time so I could think about we can come
0: it. back to this if you want we can like we can cut and
1: yeah let's let's come back to or it. you can just uh, record it
0: on your own but I, I, I yeah
1: Yeah, I'll cut it in. Hey, folks at home, the most Florida person i ever met is this anecdote here. (laughs) Alright, so with some thought, I think the most Florida person that I know, uh, there's two people that come to mind. Uh, One of them is, both of them used to be people I worked with. One of them was a gentleman that I used to work at a seafood restaurant with um, that wasn't quite middle-aged, but he was definitely well into adulthood, and... I found out after working with him for like two years, I found out that every single day I talked to him, every single shift, he was drunk off his ass on Long Island iced teas that the bartender would sneak to him. And they would just look like he had an iced tea in his cup and he would drink it throughout his entire shift. And he was a high-functioning alcoholic. He was always drunk. He would drive home drunk. He would drive to work drunk, maybe, I don't know. Um, he drove like a like a, uh, old sedan and he was like the most b- baseline chill dude you've ever met. He was always just chill. And it's because he was drunk off his ass and it was, it was amazing. Cause I didn't know it for, like I said, for like two years, I even drove with like, I, he drove me around one day. I didn't even know, um, <laughs> but, 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 but he wore, he wore Hawaiian shirts and, like, slacks and stuff, and, uh, had, like, spiked hair, like, it, like one of the most very tan, always had, like, a suntan, uh, one of the most Florida people I ever knew. Um, and the other one, I would say, is the boss that I used to work at the Kava Bar with, who is, like, the other Florida vibe, which is, like, he's, a, a muscle head that takes all sorts of supplements and things to enhance his performance, always tanned to the point of maybe being spray-tanned, and, Always on a boat, always at the beach, always doing some sort of extreme sport with his son. He was a very good father, but just like this outrageous personality. When you talk to him, he was always pitching something and uh, was kind of like a, a a face man. He could convince you of a lot of things, but he was an idiot, like an absolute idiot. Half of his ideas were horrible. Uh, his business partner, God bless him. They were like, I would call them research and development because one would come up with the ideas and the other one would shoot them down until they came up with one that he couldn't shoot down. And that's what would stick. Um, but yeah, that guy was very Florida in a different sense. He was like, kind of like the South beach kind of Florida.
0: He, that sounds like a South Florida man in particular, particular yes. like a <laughs> Palm beach County man. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Who's the, who's the most Florida person you've met? Okay. I've got two. And they were both great people who were really nice to me. Um, one of them, his name was Mike, and he was my neighbor when I lived in Del Rey. And he was this tall, lean, like very muscular, lean guy. He had like kind of like a surfer's body. Uh, he was a bit older than, like, than me. I think he maybe was in his like late 40s when I knew him in my early 20s. And he was like super nice, very tan, never wore a shirt. All of these people are very tan. Yeah, never wore a shirt. <laughs> um, always, he was always wearing, like, board shorts and sandals. He had long, like, brown hair down past his shoulders, and he had, like, a mustache, and he, his voice was, like, super, he talked like this, this is what he sounded like, and he worked as a, um, a welder. He was an underwater welder, um, so he was kind of, like, he had this, like, he he made a lot of money doing it, but like he he. Now yeah, you have me you have you have me beat. That is like a great Florida man. I mean, he could have been like a private detective, like you know, like that's sort of like you could imagine like in like a John McDonald book, but um, but he loved to get drunk. I mean, he was always drinking. Like he used to drink a lot of beer. Like to smoke pot all the time. And he, he would hang out with this, uh, this, like these, this, these guys that were my, the, my other neighbors were in this country rock band and they were really good. Actually. Uh, one of them has like got a big career in music now, but, uh, they all used to hang out together and party and like he would go, I'd go out to, I'd always bump into him at bars and he was always like threatening to fight people. And he was just a, a real, like, he was a tough guy. Like you didn't want to fuck with him but he was also like i got your back you know like if, if you were if he liked you he would have given you the shirt off his back he probably did that maybe that's why he no he did. wouldn't cuz he didn't wear one he didn't have one the other person <laughs> yeah he that. couldn't have, maybe maybe it's because he already gave someone the
1: shirt off his back
0: okay there's a there's a runner up okay and i'm going to okay. i wonder if you remember this i'll guy. say that one's the one you just said is pretty good <laughs> yeah i wonder if you remember this guy okay and maybe we'll have to edit it out if if like you do know this guy still. Do you remember that guy Jim we used to used to hang out? Mm, it's not ringing a bell. Okay, so Chris and I used to um Chris, and I used to hang out at this. Uh, yeah, we would galump around Delray at night. We would
1: start off at a coffee bar and make our way around different bars as they would close. We would
0: close out every bar, <laughs> just go to the one <laughs> that's still open. It was so fun, though, man. So, so this, it was awesome. It's some of the best memories. There's this guy in this. It was like a coffee bar slash tap room, and at night it was more of a tap room, like a craft beer, you know, bar. And this guy used to hang out there. His name was Jim. And he was older. I think he was probably like in his 60s. And he looked like John Denver. That's how I describe him. He looked a lot like John Denver, especially in the face and with the big glasses. And he was really into like rock climbing and like being active. You know, he was like an active guy.
1: Oh, this is starting to sound familiar now. And I This, this
0: part, yeah. So he's the Florida man for a few reasons. One, we would talk... And he would talk to me about hiring sex workers, and how he frequently, according to Jim, frequently the they would give the money back to him. Uh-huh, sure. When yeah. they were done, because he was he was so good, and he was talking. He would he would describe to me like <laughs> like performing oral sex and like his thought his whole thought process and uh in he he's like you know I'll, I'll I'll have a girl come over and she'll be like well what would you like to do and I'm like no I want to know what you want to do <laughs> and uh that that was his whole thing <laughs> I'm here for you not the other way around she was probably like I don't know you called me but the one of the funniest things he did was like I was dating this girl um and like you know it was like getting getting kind of serious and they they you know he knew i was really into her and um i brought her by you know we were all hanging out and this is the first time i introduced her my girlfriend at the time to jim and you know i'm thinking jim's gonna be like polite you know he's like an older guy he's like oh nice to meet you i'm jim blah 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 but my <laughs> my my ex-girlfriend this person at the time had a like uh, her arm was covered in a sleeve tattoo and like jim like picked her like tugged Touched her arm rather like sensually and was like, I-, I really like this tattoo. And like, he was like rubbing his hand like along her arm. And like, I was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's my girlfriend. I thought you were my friend. But it was like, so Jim, Jim like cucked me, you know, in front of my girlfriend. Maybe that's why it didn't work out. Maybe it was doomed from the beginning. She knew.
1: Oh no. <laughs> No, I, I very seriously doubt that. But also, have 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 the two Florida men that you've described, they met, right?
0: No, no. I'm worried about no. what would happen.
1: I was going to say, that sounds like that would be a fight, because one of them has your back, and the other
0: one clearly doesn't. Yeah, one of them's, like, <laughs> going after, like, my girlfriend in front of me, and I was just like... I don't know. I was like, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. Those are
1: both excellent. Those are both excellent specimens because I've, I've definitely known, I, I remember Jim now, but I've also known other people like Jim. There were people like that around the Kava bars all the time. It was always dangerous when anyone brought a girl in because you'd see like everyone's attention just turned to the door and it's like all these predators licking their lips. And it's like, Oh God, who the fuck's going to approach her first?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. those are it's a those, good example those of like are all chaotic, good picks. Mike was chaotic good, chaotic, <laughs> chaotic good in Mike versus chaotic evil in Jim. Um, but they were both like to me they were nice. I mean, that's you know, that's what you get in Florida. Is you get a lot of I would consider both of my picks chaotic neutral. Yeah,
1: uh, maybe even for 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 my one coworker, probably true neutral. He was just so chill. You, you there was no good or bad. He was just neutral. <laughs> Just to,
0: going in, putting his time in, going home. Gosh, I I miss like the more I talk, but I really miss just hanging out in uh, on Atlantic Avenue, walking to the beach really late at night. You know, uh, that beach is great. It's it's really I mean, you, you being able to see the ocean at night or the intercoastal is just it's 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 something I miss. You know, it's, it'll be. It, it's getting warm here in New Mexico, and uh, I'll be like, "Man, I had really this is so nice. I wish I had like a lake or, or a pool or somewhere to jump into." And it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's Florida's such a nice place. Aside from all the politics, it's
1: been the- beautiful lately. Like I have my window open right now. I really hope it doesn't throw the audio, but like it's been actually like fairly temperate the, the, this last weekend. I wish I would have known ahead of time because I could, would have planned like a kayak trip or something. I don't, you know, I really wish there was some sort of service that could predict the weather and report it to us in some sort of news fashion, but uh, I just I just don't think that exists.
0: You know, that's, now you're thinking, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, maybe,
1: that's science fiction Connor, come on, they're never going to be able to predict the weather. So,
0: back to the discussion at hand. Elmore Leonard. Okay. The final reason I, I think that he's a dad liddy author, is he has these strong, silent, cowboy type protagonists. Put all that together, I think it's a particular kind of dad literature. Um and as I said earlier, he is fascinated and uh returns to US Marshall characters. And I was researching Elmore Leonard and U.S. Marshalls and believe it or not, the the US Marshall's website has a page dedicated to him. And if you go to the U.S. Marshals uh, website, which you should do now if you want to look it up, Chris, it is the most, like, angelfire.com slash U.S. Marshals looking site I've ever seen. Like, it's hard to believe that that is a website of the federal government. It's really... What the
1: hell yeah. is this?
0: It's, it has, like, a, a background of uh, U.S. Marshals, uh, like, badges that are, like, strewn about. It looks designed by... A fifteen-year-old in 1993. That's how I describe it.
1: It's it's laid out like a MySpace page. <laughs> uh, it, it it feels like it has ads all over it, like a normal website, but all of the ads are Marshalls ads. And I don't mean the the clothing store Marshalls. Uh, but you know, it's a little a little window that looks like an ad will say, uh, "Do you have what it takes to wear a badge?" Yeah. Uh, And you can click here for more information. Uh, It almost feels like a... uh, All of these things that say click here for more information just remind me of Starship Troopers. Well... Do you want to know more?
0: (laughs) It's... So it's... Like, based upon that website, and the, the tone of it, the writing, it seems to me that the U.S. Marshals want to project that image of Old West lawmen. Like, if you go to the FBI website, everything is pretty high and tight. Um, If you look at a lot of, you know, federal law enforcement websites and just the marketing materials they put out, they come off as very like, hey, listen, we don't just break down doors and put people in handcuffs. They're very organized and they seem like they're a bunch of attorneys who happen to be law enforcement officers. The U.S. Marshals really put out there that they are, you know, a bunch of cowboys. So here's from the About Us page. This is their mission statement or whatever one team one mission it's not easy to become a deputy u.s marshal because it's not easy to be a deputy a deputy u.s marshal every day we face challenges that would make the average person quit we like it that way we don't back down from adversity and we don't fold under pressure when others count on us we count on each other
1: cue the inspiring music Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So they have an Elmore Leonard page. Um, I'll read some from it, too, because it's like it kind of speaks to that, their sense of uh, their bravado. So here's a few selections from their Elmore Leonard page. Elmore Leonard wrote about deputy U.S. Marshals in a number of his 50 novels and short stories, whether it was Karen Sisko, the female witness security inspector in Out of Sight, or the determined Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens in Fire in the Hole, the basis for the television series Justified, his characters publicized our agency in a new and exciting way. No writer ever tried to portray our personnel in multi-dimensional roles in time periods like Leonard did. Elmore Leonard gave us a gift. My colleague, media specialist Dave Oney stated, many Americans who may never actually meet a real life Marshal will know who we are because of his multitude of books and TV series. Even as he passed away on August 20th, 2013, at the age of 87, he was still working on another book. The U.S. Marshals Will Miss Him. I've just never seen anything like that on a federal government website.
1: No, that's so bizarre.
0: That's like going onto the FBI's website and they have like a, a page dedicated to Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter.
1: Yeah, which maybe they do, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I look forward to, to reading his book about a marshal then. Alright, so yeah, so next we'll we'll read Fire in the Hole by Elmore
0: Leonard. Um, Alright, should we get into um, so, uh, to, uh, corrections?
1: Yeah, so let's start off with the Reacher correction. So our Reacher predictions episode for the trailer, um, I incorrectly said that um, the last Reacher book is written or co-authored by, by Lee Child's son. Uh, no, that is Lee Child's brother. His younger brother is picking up the, the reins for writing the Reacher books moving forward, and so that last book that was released was co-written by him and his brother. So, just wanted to make that correction.
0: Listeners, take um, note.
1: Other other corrections, in our uh, Eagle Has Landed episodes, I discussed um, a book that I incorrectly called. It was said it was called The Little People. Uh, I was talking about a book about the normal, ordinary people during Nazi Germany. It is not called *The Little People*, but there is a book called *The Little People*, and it does involve Nazis. And so, Connor, I want to—I just want to drop. This picture into the chat for you to look. I at. I think I
0: know what this is actually. Does it have those little Nazi elves on it? Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is actually. So, yeah, there's a really great book called Paperbacks from Hell by Grady Hendrix, and yeah, and it's it's yeah.
1: it's famous for that. Like, um, it, it's featured in that apparently from what I found out. But it's for listeners at home. We'll we'll post it on the the social medias. But it's a a book called The Little People by John Christopher, and the 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 cover. Is of an uh, Irish castle with two people standing in front of it, and walking past them are a bunch of little green, outfitted pointed hats, curly shoes elves, with Nazi armbands, and the one in the the head of all of them have has a whip. Uh, they're basically like gnomes. Uh, the, everyone online calls them Nazi leprechauns, but th- they're they're closer to being elves, like Keebler elves. It's really. A goofy cover, and when I was like, "Oh, let me look up that book that I mentioned," and I found that I was like, "Oh, whoops, that's not the book.
0: <laughs> Wrong book." It'd be very funny if someone p- <laughs> like picked that up, thinking it was about that, and yeah, like, oh my <laughs> god, yeah. What, what does he think the normal people in Germany
1: were like? To to jump back to that, uh, the two books that I was actually thinking of, because there are two books. There's a book called "Ordinary Men," that's about cops during uh, Nazi Germany. And then there's another book that came out in 2020 that's called Hitler's True Believers: How Ordinary People Became Nazis. And those are the those are the two books I was misremembering.
0: Yeah, uh, um, I've read Ordinary Men. That is a, a fascinating book. Uh, it's the that's the you know, one I
1: was thinking of originally.
0: Yeah, the Einsatzgruppen, the the police who committed um, many of the you know mass genocides of people. Um, it's if you're interested in the psychology of how someone does that. That's a really fascinating book to, to read.
1: Yeah, I think that would actually be pretty uh, prescient right now with all of our discussion of uh, cops. Uh, and not our discussion, because we haven't really discussed it on the podcast, but, like, just the general public's discussion on police and policing and the the flaws in that system. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so other little little correction isn't really a correction so much as uh, I want to expand on. We briefly discussed antiheroes. And I... Uh, you kind of caught me off guard bringing it up, so that the, you asked me who my favorite antihero was, and I said uh, Thal Sinestro from the Green Lantern comics. And one, uh, uh, discussing a comic is not very dad lit, it's something that a dad would probably look down upon. Hmm. Uh, and two, Thal Sinestro, for most of the comic books, are is a villain, just a straight up villain. And there's only like recently that he has some comics where he is uh, an antihero. So I don't feel like that was a good pick. So I did want to mention some other were the anti-heroes, but before I bring that up, well, I want to give like a brief definition of what an anti-hero is. So an anti-hero or anti-heroine is a, a character in a story who lacks like a conventional attribute of a hero. So like idealism, courage, morality, uh, or, and a lot of times they're, like, reluctant heroes. Especially in the terms of, like, one of the ones I'm, one the I'm going to bring up. But although they may perform, like, actions that are morally correct, it is not always uh, for the right reasons. So, like, Jack Reacher is an excellent example of that, especially in the Reacher series, or the, the TV series. So, you know, he goes around and absolutely just kills people. Not very heroic, but he's doing it for decent reasons, sometimes his own not necessarily for the case. And uh, I think he fits into that, the anti-hero category. But yeah, it's generally often on uh, primarily out of self-interest or in ways that defy conventional ethical codes. So that's kind of what an anti-hero is. I
0: think if you look into any hero... You can find anti-hero. You could make an argument about that. Yeah, it's really it's
1: especially nowadays. Especially nowadays, like when you think of like uh, the golden boy heroes that are like absolutely perfect heroes. You think like Superman, who's a above reproach, and even then they've we've written some comics where he has some some bad times and it gets a little dark. Um, but uh, like things like that, or like King Arthur, um, you know, classical t- titular heroes. Um, but even even in old stories, even in old things, you have, like, Robin of Loxley, who's, you know, Robin Hood is an anti-hero. And just rattling off some that I, I respect and that would fall, that would actually fall into anti-hero. So, like, Rick Deckard from Blade Runner. But I was going to say, if we're going to talk about noir, a lot of noir protagonists are anti-heroes. Uh, they're on a job it's not generally what they want to be doing it's generally you know they're being paid to do Money, it or yeah. it's part of their yeah or it's part of their job uh, or they're they're cursed with wanting to know the truth you know they just want to know what happened and they'll they'll do dirty shit they'll do sneaky shit that that, that is not necessarily ethical or heroic and uh, my favorite noir hero is uh, Philip Marlowe i think that character is generally pretty reluctant in what he's doing He's he's written by Raymond Chandler, fantastic books. I don't want to really go into it too much now, but he's he's a great example of an anti-hero. He re- generally break the rules all the time. He has a pretty good heart, but um doesn't isn't is not trying to be a hero in any respect. He just kind of accidentally is the hero. Other good ones there of, of merit are like the the man with no name from like the good the bad and the ugly. I, I, I put down Randall
0: McMurphy from One Flew Over a Cuckoo's
1: Nest. I think that's a really good example of an anti hero. Uh,
0: anybody from any, any well, James Elroy novel character, cop.
1: Yeah, but uh, also uh, some things from like films that aren't necessarily from literature, but like Snake Plissken is a good example. He's kind of forced into being a hero. Max Rockatansky from Mad Max. He never wants to be involved with whatever he's involved with, he's good at it. But, like, he gets roped into things all the time. So that's just kind of an idea of what antiheroes are and a little bit more of the choices that I would associate with characters I respect that are antiheroes. But the reason I bring this up is we never got your antihero. You asked me my favorite one, and then we just moved on, and I want to know what you think are good antiheroes.
0: So I, my, my go-to answer here would be Parker from the Richard, uh, Richard Stark's Parker novels. Uh, which are about this criminal uh, character who often gets screwed over by his fellow criminals. Um, he he's, he's yeah
1: he's part of he's part he, in, in some of the books he's part of a syndicate and in other books he's no longer part of the syndicate. Yeah, he's a thief. Um, he's
0: like a master thief. Um, he's not you know he's not curing cancer. He's not saving orphans uh he's ripping people off but he himself gets ripping
1: people off and and sometimes he's just just making make you know keeping him staying alive and getting by uh staying one step ahead of both the syndicate and the the law um that's an excellent choice connor and i really want to go over a a parker book someday
0: yeah for sure i'd love to do that
1: do you have any other picks
0: well, just those Elroy novel characters like uh I think was it was Lloyd Hopkins is a character in these uh I think it's a trilogy of Elroy novels who you know he's at times using you know a heavy drug user, bit of a sex addict, he cheats on his wife quite a bit and yeah, not a hero. Beats up like doesn't he's not a by the books cop. He does a lot of illegal things to catch people. And is very judgmental and just has a very cynical worldview. So, you know, I really love detectives and detective stories. Most detectives have that jaded worldview. They, they get it after a while. They become, yeah. you know, very unpleasant because of the nature of the work. Yeah.
1: And I think, I think, I think with, if, if you're not, if, if, if you're not like knees deep in wading through copaganda, most cops, I feel like fit into the antihero category. Um, if, if they're in the hero category at all in the in books or whatever, uh, like, one of my, I mentioned it earlier, one of my favorite TV shows is uh, Luther, the British crime drama, and he's a cop, and he will not do things by the book. In fact, he gets every pretty much everything done by breaking rules. He's doing it for good reasons, and he's generally trustworthy, but, like, it's interesting how you look at, that like a lot of cop stories are like that. A lot of detective stories are like the only way they can get the bad guys by doing things, not by the book. And in real life, you would not want that. You would want to persecute and prosecute that person. You, you don't want a cop. That's a rogue element, a rogue cop. You don't want cops that are breaking the law, but in media, we love those characters for some reason.
0: I will say this kind of brings me to, we were going to talk about what we've read recently, there's a book series that I really love called The 87th Precinct, and it's a, it's a police procedural series. It, it was written between 1956 and 2005. I think there's maybe like 50 books in the series um, by Ed McBain. The, that's, the author's real name is Evan Hunter, but it is a police procedural series. It's really good. The, the, the main character, if there is one, because it follows a bunch of different cops in this precinct, but it's this detective Steve Carella and he is an example of what i would describe as that sort of uh golden boy um boy scout type cop he does everything the right way he's patient with people he's motivated by justice he believes in the system um and because of that he respects people's rights it's not that he's without you know his jaded kind of world view but you know he goes home to his family and he he has a lot of good things in his life that he kind of goes to prevent him from going overboard and becoming like a James Elroy character so that and, and it's it's I don't, I don't know if it's believable but it's a highly readable and enjoyable series um, of and maybe it is it's funny you said Copaganda I've never heard of that before but it definitely you've
1: never heard that term no. I love that
0: term it definitely gives a <laughs> Um, there's, there's a, yeah.
1: America has a big problem with copaganda you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very big discussion we can have it another time if, if, especially if we I, I, I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll read one of those precinct books that you like uh, or yeah. go into some sort of uh, cop literature and that's a, a, a good discussion to have and I have a lot to say on it but this is a
0: mini episode <laughs> and we cannot go into it right now <laughs> alright um, so, <laughs> so actually because that's, that's a conversation and a half did you have any more corrections you needed to make
1: no, and you already you already brought up something that you were reading, so yeah. I, I would love to, to transition into that. Is there anything else you're reading right now?
0: Well, I, well I'm reading the next Reacher book that we're going to read. Um, that's taken me a little bit of time because it's a little bit longer. But just to clarify, just so in case people were wondering, so the 87th Precinct book I read was called Shotgun, and it's uh, McBain's, uh, I think it's his 23rd novel in the 87th Precinct series can you hear me crinkling how
1: many are there like i said there's like
0: 50 of them um so uh most of many of the 87th books uh have like a gimmick or a particular kind of like type of crime that's the the main like story and oftentimes the title reflects that so in this case it's about a murder committed with a shotgun and it gets into the detail of like (laughs) what happens when you shoot someone in the face at close range with a shotgun. And that's kind of, Oh, great. It, that's a, it, Lovely. <laughs> it's a big part of the story. The opening line, I think is like detective Bert Kling went outside to throw up. So it's like, you know, yeah, you posted
1: that. that, you posted on on your other, your other Instagram. And I thought that was an excellent opening line to a book.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I mean, the, the murder story is interesting in each book. You get glimpses into the personal lives of the characters, and in this one, uh, infidelity is a big theme. So there's this one cop character who is tempted by this other other lady he meets during the course of an investigation. And his his relationship's already in a really rocky place. So, you know, that's, that's part of the tension and part of the story is, is his relationship going to survive or is he going to throw it all away? Um, so you see the... And it's an interesting juxt- juxtaposition because the murders have to do with infidelity it's sort of a revenge killing over cheating so on the one hand you see like a a relationship gone completely crazy and what the potential consequence of that is which is this horrific act of murder and jealousy and rage and on the other one you have this tension of like are they going to make it so it's 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 a juxtaposition i don't know how interesting it is but I thought it was kind of a cool part of the story. That no, it sounds
1: pretty good. Yeah, yeah it so- sounds structured pretty well. Cool. What, and, and beyond the Reacher book and that, anything else?
0: Well, I recently got a. I took a trip to the comic book store and got a Space Punisher, which is a Punisher in space uh, graphic novel. I've model. read
1: that. It's I've I've read that. It's ridiculous. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah, but
0: that's about it. Well, how about
1: you? Uh, so I've been reading um, several things right now The I've been brushing up on the Reacher book so we can discuss it but I haven't been putting too much of my time in that as I have read it before um, but I've been uh, my friend and I started reading the uh, Children of Hurin which is a um, one of the books in the J.R.R. Tolkien Lord of the Rings universe and it takes place like way earlier like, like, I don't want to say, like ages earlier than um, The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit in like a earlier age with a whole other continent that doesn't exist anymore because it gets sunk into the ocean. Uh, it's it's nuts. It's very interesting fantasy, very well done. It was published after his death. It was edited and finished by his uh, his son. I'm not going to come back and correct myself because this is correct this time. It is his son. Um, it's a cool. It's a it's a good read so far. Uh, they, I will say that the introduction is 20 pages long and. Very very dense, and I, while I was trying to get through the introduction. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this book. I went cross-eyed at one point, and then they mentioned like Tree Beard, and I'm like, oh, I, re- I recognize that character. Cool. But yeah, so I've, I started that, and then I'm also re- reading Solaris, the science fiction yeah. book, by by uh, Stanislaw Lem. Uh, it's trippy. Have you read Solaris?
0: I did. I read it in college a while ago. I like Stanislaw Lem. Um, I read that and the Futurological Congress, which was also good.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've never read anything by him. And my my goal for this year, which I'm behind on, is I want to try to read a book from a different culture or a different country every month. So I still need to pick up the slack and and, and do another one. This is the first one I've I've delved into. Uh, Unless you want to count... Uh, children of Húrin, being from England. I'm not going to count that, though. Uh, <laughs>
0: you can um, of Lee Child is a Brit, Brit lit, British lit. No,
1: no, no. We went over this. Yes, he was born in Britain, but they, those books are written in America and are very much Americana, so I'm not going to count those. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been enjoying Solaris so far. It's, uh, it's trippy. My only issue with it is, um, once again, I'm audiobooking it, and uh, the main character is named Chris. Uh, which is, uh, as viewers will probably know, is my name. And uh, there's several times where characters will, like, implore that name over and over in, like, very emotional ways. And I'm just like, I, it's very hard for me to not feel connected in some way to these emotions and be like, oh my, oh my god, this person's talking to me. Which is, it's foolish, but, like, you, you kind of, sometimes audience insert characters do a good job at inserting you into the story you you feel for them you feel like the emotions that are being brought up if you're a a sympathetic and empathetic person at least I i don't i've never talked to a uh sociopath about how they enjoy literature but maybe they don't get that
0: future episode (laughs)
1: <laughs> Let's Damn. interview a sociopath.
0: If you're a sociopath... Uh, <laughs> how
1: do you go about... Fi- yeah, yeah, I was going to say, how do you find a sociopath? Uh, podcast a sociopath, at
0: gmail.com. Reach out to us. Yeah,
1: email us. We'd love to talk to you. But yeah, um, that's what I've been reading. All right. So, uh, real quick, uh, if, if anyone wants to be surprised about what we're working on next, uh, you can just turn off the episode now but we're just going to real quick run through kind of some things uh, on the horizon, some things that we're going to be going into so um, up next we're going to be uh, discussing, I think we'll do the Elmore Learn short next, give us a little bit more room on the reading, the Reacher book and doing some research on Lee Child and then after we go into um, after we do Fire in the Hole we'll have our discussion on Die Trying by Lee Child After that, I'd like to do a deep dive Into the life and information And fun facts about Lee Child Uh, And then sometime After that, I think our our plan Is to do a uh, Tom Clancy novel. Yeah,
0: Primo Dadlit
1: Yeah, I mean It's one of the names that we dropped when we originally Discussed doing this podcast So it's inevitable And I know at some point Down the line, maybe for like an Anniversary we want to do uh hunt for the red october but i don't think we're gonna start off with that so we'll, we'll figure that out and we'll maybe we'll surprise you guys maybe we'll let you guys know in advance but yeah we'll be working on a tom clancy down the line anything else you want to say connor uh
0: not really no no <laughs>
1: everyone at home thanks for listening to us Just shoot the shit on our, our scattershot episode look forward to having you listen in next time Uh, If you want to contact us, you can contact us at the following venues. Connor, tell them. Tell the good people.
0: (laughs) All right. You can find us on Instagram at DadLitPodcast. You can message us there or send us an email at DadLitPodcast at gmail.com. That's
1: right. Those places. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Can you say something? Yes, I'm saying something. Can you say something again? No, I will not say something again. All right, hold on. Smart, smart guy. Get out of here, Just don't ask questions.